Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. This week we are um, in our series of prayer called Look Up Child, and we're taking the Father's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus has given us, and we're looking at it from a different perspective. We're looking at it from the Father's perspective as the Father prays it to us and into our lives. And so when we look at this prayer and when we think about prayer, we can struggle with prayer sometimes. Sometimes we've, we've thought, we're like, man, I don't know what it is to pray, or I don't know. I think that I should pray, but I don't know if I want to, or I know that God demands and asks, maybe he doesn't demand, but he asks me to pray. And I'm just like, ah, but I don't spend the time to pray. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever struggled with prayer, but the heart of the father is that we wouldn't come to him in prayer from a place of should, but that we would come from a place of genuine connection. And that's what the father is inviting us into in his prayers, that he's inviting us to a place of connection. And when we look at this prayer, we see it broken up into six parts. And we've been using this analogy um, where of the six-fingered man. I don't know if you guys have known this or if you've watched the movie Princess Bride, but there's the six-fingered man, and there's six-fingered parts. And so we've been doing it every week. We've been funny. It's been silly. Like, let's be funny and silly together again and just go through the six parts of this prayer and put it up. So let's see. I shouldn't be the only one doing this. All right, so the first one is that we, we receive the prayer of the Father's heart, that our Father loves us, that our Father is near. The second one is the Father's kingdom. The third one is the Father's provision. The fourth one is the Father's forgiveness. Today we're going to talk about the Father's guidance, and next week we're going to be talking about the Father's deliverance. Yeah, get a little turtle action going there. So that is what the prayer is, and we're, we're going to start this morning by looking at the prayer and praying the prayer together. So if you guys would stand up, Dave's going to have it up on the screen, and we're going to pray the Father's Prayer together to get things started. It's from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Read along with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Dear God, we thank you for this prayer. And God, we thank you that you've given us this prayer to model after you to know how to pray. And God, we thank you that this prayer isn't just for us, but that God, this is a prayer that you pray over us and that you seek for us to know that we would know your heart, that we would know your provision, that we would know your guidance and your forgiveness and your deliverance, God. God, I pray that you would calm our hearts, that you would settle us, that we would find peace this morning with you in the goodness of this prayer, in the goodness of your heart. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. So this morning we're going to be jumping in to the part of the prayer that is, <laughs> lead us not into temptation. And we so quickly want to like continue in that and say, but deliver us from evil. But we're going to separate those two. And this week we're going to talk about, Father, do not lead us into temptation. And next week, Tracy is going to be here. She's going to be teaching, but deliver us from all evil. And I'm excited for Tracy to be here next week and for us to teach. I'm excited for what God's doing inside of her and how God has been teaching her about deliverance. And so... I want you guys to come back next week and listen to Tracy teach about Father, forgive us. I mean, (laughs) Father, deliver us 
from all evil. So I, guys, I want you guys to know that's coming next week. Tracy Fountain's going to be teaching on that, and I'm excited, and I'm looking forward to that, and I think you should be too. Um, so this morning, though, we're going to be talking about lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. And the, the temptation with this prayer is that we would think that the Father is the one who does the tempting, right? We talk about this way in our society. We talk about this way in our world. We're like, God is testing me. Or God is, God is tempting me. God is testing me. He's put this in my way. And we feel like God tests us. And it's this pass-fail that God is always kind of like surprise pop quizzing us. And that there's this pass-fail. And that determines where our standing is before God and before our faith. And if we fail the test, then we're failures. And we should be shamed. And that there's no forgiveness. And that we have to work harder before him. But that's not true. The reality is that the Father is not the one who tests us. The Father is not the one who tempts us. If we look at Scripture, what we find is that temptation doesn't come from the Father, but the temptation actually comes from within us and within ourselves. If we turn to the book of James, chapter 1, what we find is James saying this. He says, Let no one, when he is tempted, say, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So God is not the tempter here. It says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then that desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And then when that sin is fully grown, brings forth death. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good way that I've experienced sin in my own life is that there's this thought, there's this desire, there's this thing that just like is conceived inside my brain, conceived inside my spirit, and I'm just like, I don't know what to do with it. And it kind of festers, and I kind of fertilize it, and I water it, and it grows, and I start to do the white knuckled thing, and then I'm just like, you know what? Fine. And we give in to our desire, we give in to the temptation, and it fully grows, and we're like, man, death just followed that thing. Jeremiah also follows up with the kind of the heart of where our sin comes from, where our temptation comes from. Jeremiah chapter 17 says this. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? At the end of the day, you and I, were born broken. We're born sick. We're born into this place of sin, and we need saved from it. Because our natural instinct, our natural desire, if you were to put forth the path of righteousness before us and the path of shortcut towards our desires, towards our lusts, and towards the things that fulfill our flesh, which one are we going to choose? We're going to choose the forbidden fruit of the shortcut all day. That's what we find in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve are in the garden, and the serpent comes, and she tempts Eve. But what happens is that when the serpent speaks, what, she, what the serpent does is that when he speaks into Eve's mind is a thought that God is holding out on her. Up until that point, Eve doesn't have this desire that she should be like God. She doesn't think that God is holding out on her. But the serpent comes, and he plants this idea inside her mind that, you know what, I'm not like God. And this fruit, this fruit that God is banning you from, guess what? It holds the key of becoming like God. It's the shortcut to knowledge of good and evil. And Eve's like, I'm going to take that and I'm going to eat that all day. 
And when we look at temptation, I think that's what temptation is. That temptation is a shortcut towards our desires. And sometimes they're even right desires. Sometimes we'd say it's the shortcut to perceived righteousness and goodness as we would define it. But the problem is that every time we take that shortcut, destruction and death follows. And we take shortcuts in a number of ways. Think about it. When you're tempted to lie... It's a shortcut to knowing acceptance. You're like, you know what, if I just lied here and I didn't tell the truth, if they knew the truth, then maybe there'd be some conflict. But if I just lied here, I'm going to shortcut my way to acceptance and we can just move on and we can move forward and faster and better and everything will be good. Same thing with if we choose to look at pornography. Pornography is a shortcut to intimacy and vulnerability and, and being known and, and pleasure with another human being. And we shortcut that when we look at pornography. Same thing with um, our, when we steal. When we steal from others, when we steal from other people, it's a shortcut toward wealth and towards possession that we didn't have to work for. Whenever we slander somebody, whenever we talk bad about somebody, whenever we stab somebody behind the back, it's a shortcut towards influence and power that we didn't have to work for. Instead, we're just going to jump over this other person, and we're going to push themselves down, and we're going to push ourselves up. And so when we're tempted, be looking for where is God, not God, where am I being tempted, and where is that a shortcut? Where am I taking a shortcut instead of taking the path of righteousness? And the reality is that we can take shortcuts even when we're trying to do good things. When I was five or six years old, I'd wake up before my parents, like most five or six years old, and there were some rules around what I could and couldn't do at that time. But one of the things that I could do is I could make arts and crafts. And so I woke up that morning, and I woke up that morning with my heart full of love and affection towards my mother. And I wanted her to know. And so I was going to make a craft for her. And so I got out the paper and I wrote, I love you, Mom. And I was like, you know what this paper needs? It needs a, it needs a paper heart cut into it, cut onto it. And so I got out my paper and I got out my plastic Crayola scissors that could not cut a heart. And I tried cutting. I was like, it's not working. So there was this rule that I could not use the adult scissors without supervision. But I knew where the adult scissors were. And so I was like, you know what? Mom's sleeping. I want to surprise her. I want her to know how much I love her. It won't, it won't matter if I go and get the adult scissors. So I went, and I get the adult scissors, and I cut out the heart, and I paste it on there. I used the right glue, because we could use the liquid glue or the pasty glue, and the pasty glue is the right glue that you could use. So I'm like, well, I'm not using the liquid glue. Stick it on there. Mom wakes up. Oh, I make sure that I put the adult scissors back so Mom wouldn't know. So Mom wakes up, and I'm like, hey, Mom, good morning. I love you. Look at what I made you. She's like, that's great. That's all. Oh, that's beautiful. She's like, man, what, what a nice heart you've got cut there. I'm like, yeah, mom, I know. And she's like, did you, did you use the adult scissors? And I was like, no, no. I'm like, the plastic ones, they really cut this time. Like, because you know, when you're little, like things that don't work magically start to work, right? And so I'm just like, they cut this time. She's like, oh, they did. And you see, I was lying. I was trying to take the shortcut of the fear of punishment and wrath that I knew would come from my mom if she knew. I'm like, the point is, Mom, I love you this morning. Who cares if I use the adult scissors? Like, this isn't the point. You're missing the point, Mom. And she's like, oh. She's like, are you sure you didn't use the adult scissors? I'm like, 
You know, my, wit, my lip starts quivering. Like, yeah, Mom, I use the adult scissors. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I just wanted you to know how much I love you. And she's like, son, I know how much you love me, you love me. But she's like, the way that you could show me love is that if you would have just waited. Instead of taking the shortcuts to go get the scissors on your own, if you would have just waited, she's like, I could have supervised you, and you still could have cut out the heart, and you still would have communicated even more how much you love me this morning. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Mom. And I'm giving her this big old blubbery hug, and I'm so cut to the heart in my six-year-old self because I use the adult scissors. But this prayer... This prayer, lead us not into temptation, is this opportunity for us to go to the Father and confess our brokenness, to confess our weakness, to confess the ways that we have believed the lies and that we need saving. That God, save me. Save me from the ways that I am led into deception through my own heart. And it's where we get to hear the heart of the Father where he says, Son, daughter, look up, child, and come. Follow me. The heart of the Father in this prayer, lead us not into temptation, is child, follow me. Know me. Know the life that I have prepared for you. Know my ways. In many ways, this prayer, lead us not into temptation, and this response from the Father to come follow me is for us to begin to live into all of the things that we have prayed into before. That we would know God to be a good Father that we would know God to have an incredible kingdom, that he wants to break through into our lives and through our lives and into the lives of the world, that he would be the God that would provide for us and that we would trust him in his provision and that he is a father who forgives and gives freedom, that we would know those things. And I believe that if we knew those things, if we really knew them, that our temptation to go our own ways would be destroyed, that they'd be shattered. And so this lead us not into temptation, this come follow me, is to live into the realities of the rest of this prayer. The thing is, is that into this prayer, we're tempted in many ways to not believe it. In many ways, we're tempted to believe that God is not a good father. And the temptation is that our father is one who's wrathful and who wants to punish us. And if that's who we believe our God to be, guess what? That gives our heart permission to reject him and to not follow him. Because if we're like, you know what, God, you're, you're not as good of a God as I think you are, and you're going to punish, and you're full of wrath, and I disagree with all of that, and so, you know what, I'm going to stand myself above you, and I'm going to reject you. We, guess what? We have removed ourselves from being able to follow him and for him to lead us not into temptation. We're tempted in his kingdom. Instead of building his kingdom and being a part of his kingdom, being his subject where we want to be our own king, we want to rule and we want to reign and we want to be famous and we want to make a name for ourselves. In God's provision, we're tempted to go and strive and make it for ourselves or we live in fear that we will never have enough and that we should squander what we have, that we should save what we have because if we just spent or if we were generous, then maybe we wouldn't have enough to get that thing over there that we're probably just going to throw away in five years or less anyways. But you know what? I need to protect myself. I need to protect my family. And so we're just not going to be generous and we're not going to trust that God's going to provide. There's a temptation around the Father's forgiveness that it's just not real, that it's just not true. And we live drowning in shame. And what I want you to know is that in this lead us not into temptation, God is crying out to us. He's like, come child, come 
to me and follow me. Know my heart and know the purposes that I have for you. In Matthew chapter 11, we hear the heart of God calling us to follow him through Jesus. This is what he says to us in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says this, he says, Come to me, all who labor, who are heavy laden. Come to me, all of you who are weary of being tempted by your own evil fleshly desires. If you are tired of being tempted to reach for the scissors, or if you're tired of not following the truths that I have for you, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you so that you might learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the invitation of the Father in the prayer, lead us not into temptation. But this prayer to come follow him is also a prayer of submission. It's also a prayer where if God is going to be the God who leads, if he's going to be the God who guides us, if he's going to be the one who leads us from temptation into life, then we have to be willing to submit ourselves to his rule and his reign and his authority. And submission is hard. We don't even like the word. It's like a dirty word, submission. Because we're just like, submission is what a dog does, not a human being. But the reality is that the word of God calls us to submit to him. And it is good. And when we submit, there is life, and there is freedom, and there is joy. And so we must submit if we're going to be led by him. You can't be led if you're not willing to say, I'm going to follow you. That's not how it works. I mean, if you're just like, I'm going to rebel, I'm going to go my own way, then that person isn't leading. And so if we're going to allow God to lead, we have to say, God, I am yours. God, I am going to come, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to submit to your leadership. I think a lot of times when we pray this prayer, I found myself, you know, last week we talked about the Father forgive us as we forgive those who forgive <laughs> Father, forgive us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. We've, we've looked at that forgiveness prayer, and we're like, God, forgive me, please. Like, we have these bad ways that we look at the prayer. I think one of the bad ways that we look at this prayer, Father, lead us not into temptation, is that it would be a protectionist prayer. That it would be, God, lead me not into temptation. Just protect me. Just put a bubble around me and protect me from all of my evil thoughts, all of my wayward ways. Just protect me and lead me into the way of everlasting. And I believe that this prayer is a prayer that leads towards protection, but it doesn't begin there. To take this prayer and just see it as protection only would be to miss the point of the prayer. Because when we find ourselves, if God were to just pluck from us every evil desire, every... (laughs) false thought, every lie, and just pluck them from our brains and make them just disappear in an instant, we would never grow. We would never learn. We would never know what it is to grow in righteousness and what it is to grow in following him. We would kind of just become these programmed robots. And that's not what God wants either. If we just move towards comfort, then we don't have the opportunity to have our lusts confronted. I think we need to confront them. If we don't confront our lusts, then we never get the chance to grow. And if we never get the chance to grow, then we don't have the chance to become transformed. And I believe it's in the heart of the Father that he wants to transform us, 
That he wants to say, the old is gone and the new has come and you've been transformed. And the way that we get transformed is by looking at the mess that's on the inside and confessing it out to God. James says, those who confess to one another, you are healed. And Tracy's going to touch on more of this next week as she talks about deliverance and how deliverance and freedom from our shame, from our guilt, from the lies that we believe are possible. Amen? And I believe that our Father wants to do this even in confronting us as he leads us and guides us and calls us to follow him, that we would come to him with the lies that we believe and that we would confess them and that he would begin to transform our mind, that he'd begin to transform our lives because we need those lies to be confessed so that we can know the way out. And that's what the Father desires to do as he guides us, is that he wants to allow us to be tempted and in that temptation not fall into it but to listen to him and to his voice and to know the way out that he provides. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says this about temptation. He says, no temptation has overcome you that's common to man. He's saying everyone's been tempted. We live in a state of temptation. We live in a state of turning away from God, of doubting God, of not following him, of not listening to his voice. He says, but God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability, but, when, <laughs> but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you might be able to endure it. The Father is good, and he is right in that every temptation that we face, he is providing a way out. He's providing guidance and freedom away from the temptation, from the lusts of our desires and our flesh. And the question is, is are we going to listen to it and be transformed, or are we going to give into it and continue until death? Because even as my six-year-old self, there was a moment as I'm reaching for the adult scissors where I'm just like, I know. I know I ought not to do this. I know that there's going to be disappointment. I know that there's going to be broken relationship. I know that there's going to be sadness and there's going to be tears if I reach for these scissors. But I was like, by golly, I want it anyways. And so we went and I used the scissors and we do this in many ways in our lives, but the desire of the Father is that in those moments we would hear his voice and we would come to him and we would allow him to transform us, transform our minds, transform our hearts, transform our souls. And I believe that in this, God desires to transform our minds in particular. I think our minds are much more powerful than we give that credit for. I don't know about you, but most of my lived reality is in my mind. The way that I see the world, the way I perceive the world, the way I perceive my circumstances, the way I think, and even when I'm tempted, it all comes down to my mind. It comes down to what thoughts am I thinking, what thoughts are being planted there, where are they coming from, and if I'm not careful about what's going into my mind, I find myself being tossed into the waves, the way that James talks about, where I don't know where up is up or down is down or left is right. It all gets confusing. And what we need is we need God to guide us and lead us through his spirit to transform our minds. In Romans 12, 2, <laughs> Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we find in Romans 8, 6, how important and how critical the mind is when it comes to our life and the way that we perceive life. Because in Romans 8, 6, it says this, it says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is death. 
But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For far too long, I think when we talk about hearing from God and responding, we have missed the component of the mind. That we've thought when God speaks, it's got to be this transcendent, heaven's part, earth shakes, God speaks audibly to our hearts, and that we're just like, that was God. I know it was because he made it so evident. But those moments in our lives are few and far in between, if ever. But I believe the way that God speaks to us, to us every day and the way that he wants to guide us and lead us is through our thoughts. And we can say, well, how do I know that this thought came from God and how this thought wasn't mine? And the question is, are your thoughts your thoughts? Where did your thoughts come from? Where did your thoughts originate from? I think our thoughts originate either from ourselves, from within, from our selfish desires. They're a result from the enemy who stirs up those desires that are within us, or they come from the Father. Two of those places lead to death. One of those places leads to life. And if you find yourself walking in thoughts that lead to life and lead to grace and lead to peace and lead to joy in the world, then they're thoughts that are probably being curated to you from the Father. And we ought to praise him and we ought to thank him for the thoughts that he has given us. Our thoughts are powerful and our thoughts are important and we need to know where are they coming from and is the Spirit speaking to us through our minds? And I believe the answer is unequivocally yes. The Spirit desires to speak to our minds. And so the question this morning is, what do your thought patterns look like? If you're a human being, they're probably really complex. They're probably really inconsistent. I mean, just look at politics on the left and the right. Thought patterns incredibly inconsistent, right? And if human beings, one thing that I've just known to be true is that our thought patterns are incredibly categorized, capsulated, and inconsistent between categories. And so there are probably some thoughts in our minds that are directed towards the ways of God and the heart of God, and he is leading and guiding in those areas. But there are probably also areas where we have a whole bunch of thoughts where God is seeking to confront them and transform them and change them towards his ways, towards his truth, and towards his life. And so the question this morning is, is where is God confronting you in your mind? Where is God confronting you in your thoughts? Where is he asking you to submit to him and his leadership and his guidance, where you can learn from him, where you can take your, his yoke upon you, where you can find rest, and peace, and life, and joy with him. Where is he confronting you this morning? Is it in your anger? Is it in your lust? Is it in your greed? Where are you looking to take shortcuts? Is it in your finances? Is it in your job? Is it in your relationships? The question is, what are the thoughts that he is calling you to submit to him? This last Thanksgiving... I was getting ready for Thanksgiving. I was in charge of a large portion of the meal. One of the things that I was in charge of was creating uh, sweet potato rolls, one of my favorite parts of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. But this eve of Thanksgiving, I was up at midnight, and I was exhausted, and I was tired, and I was frustrated, and I'm cutting sweet potatoes. And I'm like, God, what is going on? Here is my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving, and I am far away from peace. I'm far away from joy. I'm just angrily chopping potatoes. And the father confronts me in that moment. He's like, Justin, stop. And so I'm mid-chop. I'm like, 
God, what? What is it? He's like, Justin, you want to know why you're angry? I'm like, yes, I would love to know why I'm angry. And I'm not an angry person. I like to pride myself on my inability to be angry, which is a problem. <laughs> because it's my pride and it's my ability to not be angry. But in this moment, I am angry. And the father's like, do you want to know why you're angry? He's confronting my thoughts. He's like, you're angry because if you look past this year, you have not been thankful. <sighs> Talk about being confronted. It's like being caught with the heart with the scissors, and you're like, but did you use the scissors? He's like, but have you been thankful? Have you been thankful for the ways that I provided this year? Have you taken the time to stop and reflect and see how I've been gracious and see how I've provided and see how I've been faithful to you? And I was like, no, God. I've just looked at myself. I've looked at my ability to provide for myself, to build my own kingdoms, to rule my own ways, and nothing is going the way I want it to, and I'm sitting, and it's now 12.30, and I'm exhausted, and I want to be in bed. And God's like, just be thankful. Enter into thanksgiving. And so it's in that moment, in that one thought, that God confronted a whole slew of thoughts in my mind that he wanted to turn into submission towards him. And then we arrived at New Year's, and I'm praying over New Year's, and I love New Year's because it's a time of new beginning, it's a time of fresh starts, it's a time of reflection. I'm seeking God, and I'm like, God, where do you want to guide me in 2019? And the word that he gave me was discipline. And normally the word discipline is like that word um, that we just talked about <laughs> Um, submission. It's a dirty word. I don't like the word discipline because every time I find myself disciplined, I find myself in a place of should. Well, I should do this. I should do that. And I get behind. I'm like, and I should, and I begin to should on myself. But for some reason, in some way, God framed discipline in a way that gave life and peace. And he says, just, just submit your thoughts to me this year. Submit your finances to me this year. Submit the words that come out of your mouth about others to me this year. Submit reading the word and spending time in prayer to me this year. Submit your schedule to me this year. And so we began to, to shape the way that we handle our finances. We began to shape the way that we handle our schedule. And we began to make a number of changes just from this one thought that the Father confronted me with around discipline. And I'm here to tell you we're only a month and a half in, but it has brought new life. And I'm walking in ways of peace and life where there was once death and shame and exhaustion. And so the question is, is where is God confronting you this morning? Where is he confronting you? And what truth is he calling you to live into? Because the Father didn't just confront me and leave me with, buddy, you're not thankful. Instead, he led me into thoughts of thankfulness. He didn't just say, hey, buddy, you've been undisciplined with your life and it's a wreck. He pointed me towards discipline and new life in him. He gave me an imagination of what that looked like. So where is God confronting our thoughts this morning? And where is he looking to guide you away from temptation in your world this morning. When we pray this prayer, lead us not into temptation, we get to partner with the prophet Isaiah, an incredibly powerful word that comes from the Father. And so I want you to take this in. From Isaiah 55, 6, it says this. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way 
And so if God is confronting you with wickedness this morning, guess what? He let you forsake that. Give that up. Forsake that way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts, forsake your, says, get rid of your unrighteous thoughts. And he says, neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. Neither are your thoughts my thoughts. For heavens are higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. This is a good word because when we pray this prayer, Father, lead us not into temptation. What we're praying is, God, make my thoughts your thoughts. Make my way your ways. And when we look at Psalm 139, at the end of the psalm where God has created us and he's given us identity and purpose, he says this, the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there are any grievous way in me. And lead me into the way of everlasting. The Father desires to lead us and guide us towards his righteousness this morning. Are we willing to submit to that? Are we willing to be confronted by the Father who loves us, who guides us, who wants us to take his yoke upon us and lead us into life everlasting? Now, I believe that God doesn't just want to lead us in our thoughts. But I also believe that God wants to lead us through our circumstances. We need to know what it is to hear and respond from God in good times and bad. We need to know what it is to hear the voice of God in our thoughts in the good times. Because what often happens is when things are good, we start to begin like, I got this. This is good. I'm not an angry person. I got this under control. I've been transformed. And we begin to hear the thoughts from the Father that seek to lead us. And eventually we end up going off the rails. So we need to be able to hear the voice of God in good times. And we especially need to hear the voice of God in the hard times. There are dark days that some of us are walking through. There are places where it is dark and it is hard. And the thing is, is that this is the place where we often say, but God's testing me. And I want you to know that God is not testing you. Instead, what God is often wanting to do in the dark days is he's looking to, to lead you and guide you and transform you. And so if you're going through dark days, I want you to know that the Father is there and he's calling out to you and he wants to lead you and he wants to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. And as you are led through it, that not that you would be afraid, not that you would be scattered, not that you'd be destroyed, but that you would fear no evil. And the only way we can do that without fear is to know that the Father is with us, the Father is near to us, and that in that darkness, in Psalm 139, it says, darkness becomes light to him. So even though we can't see our next step, even though we can't see the next direction, we trust that the Father is near, that the Father is speaking, and that the Father is guiding us and leading us towards new life on the other side. Because what would happen is, is that this is a shepherding term, this leading us through the valley of the shadow of death. What would happen is that the sheep would stand on this one plateau over here and they would eat until they had eaten enough of the resources, and to preserve those resources, they'd have to go over to the other plateau. But to get from one plateau to the next, they'd have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And the shepherd would lead the sheep through it. And the father would protect his sheep. And on the other end, there was new life, and there was new food, and there was new grain, and there was transformation that happened to the sheep as they went through the valley of the shadow of death. When I was in college, I was a camp counselor, and I 
had the privilege of counseling fourth graders through sixth graders. Um, they're little kids, but they think they're, they're just a little bit older than the little kids. So what I love about treating little kids is that you treat them like big kids and they step up to the occasion. They get, they get excited and they get jacked. But at the end of the day, they're still like scared little kids, okay? This is awesome. I don't know if you've ever worked with fourth through sixth graders, but they're some of the funnest age groups that I love working with. And so with these kids at camp, what happens is that we stay in a regular cabin with four leaders, and that would be a normal camp week. But there's also this special campsite deep into the woods, like a mile away, that was vacant that the teenagers would stay in. But we had no teenagers that week staying there. And so what I decided to do is I was like, guys, guess what? We're going to go to the teenager campground, and we're going to spend the night out there where there's no bathrooms, no electricity, no nothing, and it's going to be cool. And they're like, yeah, these sixth grade, fourth grade boys, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, and we're going to go there, and we're going to walk through the dark to get there. We're going to do a night hike. We're going to see how the Father shows light. And they're like, all right, yeah, let's do it. And so we start, we get the boys in line, and we put a, a counselor in between every fourth kid, and we begin guiding them, we begin walking them. And then the walk begins good, but as we get deeper and deeper into the woods, we start to hear things. Hear things that we didn't hear in the daytime. And the kids are familiar with these paths. They go to archery, they go to different activities throughout the day, but they're like, what was that? And it's like, it's okay. It's okay. They're like, is it okay? And these strong, brave fourth and sixth grade boys just start to begin to melt. And we're just there and we're like, it's okay. We're here and we're with you. Can you hear my voice? Can you hold my hand? Let's make a chain and let's walk through this darkness together. And we got to the point of the path to the last 40 yards where it became completely dark. And I'm the one leading and I cannot see my hand in front of my face. It's that dark. And if it's that dark for me, it's that dark for the kids. And the kids are like, if it's this dark for me, I know it's this dark for him. I don't know how we're getting through this. They don't know that we're 40 yards away from the clearing where the stars and the moon is just going to break free and there's going to be a campfire and there's going to be s'mores and there's going to be new life. They don't know that. And so we're walking and they are freaking out. And I'm like, guys, it's okay. We stop and we pause and we're like, guys, we're almost there. We're almost there. It's okay. I'm here. I'm with you. And we're comforting the boys and we're protecting them. And we're like, it's okay. It's okay to be afraid. Let's just stop and let's pray right now that God would give you strength. So we stopped and we prayed that God would give them strength. And for the last 40 yards, I kid you not, I had to put my hand out in front of me so I didn't run into a tree. But I knew the way. I had been there before. And we led the kids. And when it broke out into the opening and into the clearing, the kids were like, oh my goodness, we made it. And they looked up at the stars and they were like, look at the stars. Look how beautiful this place is. And we camped out. And that's the story that those kids look back and they're like, mom and dad, guess what we did? We conquered our fear of the dark. We conquered the fear of the dark because God is with us and God gave us peace when we couldn't see the next step. And that is true for us, and it's true of our Father who desires to lead us, who desires to guide us not into temptation, but lead us towards freedom in life. I love this proverb in Proverbs 16. It says this. It says, the, man, the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And when we hear the heart of the Father to come follow him, we can go fearing no evil. We can go full of confidence, facing into the darkness, knowing that our Father is with us. 
And there are going to be times where we're like the kids and we're like, what was that? And there's going to be times where we could be literally 40 yards from the end and it could be the darkest place. And the Father's calling, it's okay, come. And we have to listen and we have to hear and we have to trust. I love the story because I love the ways that the kids were transformed through the walk. We could have taken the kids to the campground. We could have loaded them up in a van. We could have driven them the mile. We could have unloaded. We could have had a campfire. We could have had s'mores. But they would have never been confronted. And they would have never had to grow. And they would have never been transformed had they not walked the walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I believe that that's what our God is doing. He's not doing it to punish us. He's not doing it to hurt us. He's not doing it to harm us. The reality is that we're all wicked and we're all evil and we have to deal with the consequences of other people's choices and sin. And that brings the valley of shadow of death upon us at times. And it's in that place where we're going to either have to choose to take the shortcut and try to escape it as fast as possible or remain in it and to hear the Father's voice that says, come, follow me, one step more, one step more, come, follow me. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I'm with you. I've been down this path before. And that is the most comforting words that I've heard from the Father, is that he's been down this path before. You can trust me. And when you stay on that, you know the new life that's found on the other side. It was really cool this morning. As Shannon opened up, he mentions Philippians 1.6. And this is where I want to end. This is with Philippians 1.6. And it is this. It says that I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. This prayer, Father, lead us not into temptation. This Father, lead us, Father, guide us so that we might be transformed into you, into your image and that he has begun a good work in us, and he's going to bring it to completion at the end. Amen? So we can trust him. So hear the heart of the Father this morning. Come and follow me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up, and we're going to enter into the space of response. In the space of response, I want to be able to pray this prayer that we've been doing each week, this prayer of the Father's heart for us around this section of the prayer. And then we're going to have communion. We're going to be able to come up and we're going to be able to praise God that he had gave his body, that he had his body broken and that his blood poured out for the forgiveness and the freedom and for the truth that we can be transformed, that we can be led by him, that he would give his spirit that would speak to our hearts, that speak to our minds. And so we participate with God in that as we take communion on both sides through this response song. But before we do that, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear the hearts and prayer of the Father. And he says, Look up, child. Come and follow me. Come and take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and I am kind. Look up, child, and allow me to renew your thinking. Let me remove your thinking that leads to death. And allow me to fill it with thoughts that lead to life in me. Look up, child, and hear my voice. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil, child, for I am with you, and I have been down this road before.
look up, child, and allow me to direct your steps in all things towards life and peace. Look up, child, and know that I am near. Amen.